that was begins right now. Joining me now is Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. Hello, Keith. Hey, Jazz. Lots to talk about. we got Pierre Polyev joining us uh, at uh, 5.30 today in studio. Now, one of the things Mr. Polyev proposed this week was for First Nations to collect taxes from industry that he says would speed up negotiations and project approvals. Uh, and many have uh, been quite interested in uh, his idea. It was The idea was developed by the First Nations Tax Commission. Uh, your thoughts on this. Uh, is this going to be the new normal in regards to how we move forward with our conversations with First Nations people and how business talks to First Nations as well. Well, it's been the new. It's been. It's not even a new reality. It's been the reality for some time. Major resource projects cannot proceed without First Nations uh, support. It doesn't necessarily mean you know uh, consent, but it means uh, support. And uh, some people suggest that they have a, a veto over projects. They have a, a I think, a de facto veto. Uh, a number of court decisions have supported their. Or, uh, constitutional rights and their territorial rights when it comes to projects. And the reality is, in B.C., for example, uh, some of the major projects that have proceeded, such as LNG, uh, the Site C Dam, these super projects, have not been able to proceed without significant financial compensation to First Nations. So what Mr. Poliev is proposing is not radically different than what's being done in B.C. He's proposing a direct taxation power. Uh, direct and for the federal government to vacate that tax and, and allow First Nations to collect that tax. Uh, it's just another way of addressing up financial compensation. Instead of a grant or just one-time payment, this would be a taxation stream. Uh, proposed by First Nations, supported by First Nations, uh, the B.C. government is in the midst of a consultation process about the Land Act, which has a component of uh, First Nations uh, co-management, and by implication, um, some revenue impacts when it comes to decisions made on the land regarding resource development. So Poliev and the B.C. government and the B.C. NDP predecessor, B.C. Liberal government, not totally dissimilar to each other in uh, acknowledging one way or another, First Nations has to have some input and say and financial benefit, when it com- and which can be very substantial when it comes to these massive resource projects that take place on land considered their ancestral territory. Now, under Mr. Polyev's plan, uh, it would permit First Nations to collect 50% of the federal taxes paid by industrial activities on their land with industry getting a tax credit in exchange. That's all well and good. Uh, You know, my one concern, and that's not specific to Mr. Polyev's plan, but broadly speaking, how does this, A, help, uh, you know, natural resource projects get approved faster or at least with some clarity? Because right now, if you look at the history of our province in the last five to ten years, we have scared away business. We make it very difficult for projects to to be approved in a a reasonable amount of time. That could be mining. It can be uh, forestry. uh, It could be LNG. Uh, I mean, uh, do you think this in any way will help projects and be given clarity in regards to moving forward? Well, every international or every national uh, executive I talk to on when it comes to resources, the number one thing they're looking for is certainty. And certainty in terms of what the rules are, what, whether it's taxation, whether it's First Nations rights or whatever, they want certainty. So if everything's clarified and a process is there in clear daylight, that is what industry is looking for before they make an investment decision. And I think slowly but surely, I think we're getting there. I mean, it, it takes 10 years to get a mine to open. Mm-hmm. And 
the EV government's pledged to a couple of gold mines up north with these, and also critical um, mineral mines, that the process, and both the federal government and the provincial governments have promised that process is going to be spe- sped up significantly. Um, it remains to be seen how it's going to work on the ground, though. But uh, again, back to your first question, you, the reality is you cannot in, uh, embark on a na- uh, significant natural resource project in B.C., without securing First Nations approval and in guaranteeing First Nations benefits, particularly when it comes to financial compensation. Hmm. Well, let's talk about another issue here. That, of course, is international students. We focused on, on this issue for many months, and, and we know they're cutting back on international students this year. The province, uh, according to students at UVic, they believe they need to invest significantly more into post-secondary education. As UVic announced a $13 million budget cut after the federal government announced, of course, uh, that they're uh, going to pull back on the amount of international students, once again, uh, proving uh, that uh, international students have had an outsized impact on tuition revenue. In the case of University of Victoria, uh, tuition from international students was approximately 33% of total tuition revenue this year, which overall represents about 12% of overall revenue yep. for, for UVic. What do you see happening? I mean, UVic is one thing, but if I, I look at some of the colleges in our suburbs, I look at even Vancouver, International, Vancouver Island University sorry, in Nanaimo and some of these other interiors universities and colleges, it's not just a Victoria thing. Do you see significant change coming? Well, it's the 33% figure is the provincial figure as well. So there's 540,000 post-secondary education students. 176,000 of those are um, international, and that's 33% of the total. However, of that 176, the majority, about 95,000, are in private um, institutions. Mm-hmm. About 82,000 are in public so, yeah, it's going to be 33% hit in for some, a little lower in others, a little higher in others. And the translates, according to, and we're finally getting some, some numbers from universities of what the impact's going to be. We know that it's a, a significant amount of money. I mean, the last figure we got was back in 2017, where international students um, contributed $5 billion in economic activity in terms of revenue from tuition and economic act- activity. Um, so now, yeah, we got from Uvic the first numbers 13%, which they, 13 million, which they equate, if they don't get it, results in a 4% reduction in staff, which would mean layoffs, which would be, I think, fairly chaotic on a campus of that size. Uh, David Eby today, or this week, said in his words, don't press the panic button yet. But the budget is literally right around the corner. And if it's not reflected in terms of increased funding to commensurate the um, the loss of revenue here for international uh, student loss, we're going to see some problems come uh, the, the coming fiscal year from universities and colleges. And we'll see if it's reflected in the budget. As I say, the budget's on the 24th. We'll see if the revenue to post-secondary institution increases significantly to replace that lost revenue mm-hmm. or whether universities are going to have to figure a way out of this. It is a significant revenue hit. I mean, we're talking, as I say, you know, when you've got 100, well, in the public system, 82,000 students who are paying a disproportionately high rate mm-hmm. of tuition, much more than, than uh, residents here. That is, and, and I know from personal experience, family uh, members and such, uh, universities are increasingly uh, dependent on international students. When I was at UBC, there was nowhere near the net number of international students that there is today, for example, or SFU. Uh, it's just become part of the fabric. And now the, the feds have cut it by a third, 
or 35%, and that's a big hit. We've baked it into our business model for well over two or three decades now, and we're paying for it now, that's for sure. All right, folks, give us a call on the open line. I want to hear from you. We've been talking about Pierre Paglia's plan uh, for First Nations to collect taxes from industry in regards to project approvals uh, on their land. Keith was just talking also about University of Victoria making cuts already. As the federal government says, we're going to cut back on international students. That means revenue is uh, decreasing not only at UVic, but many other public and private colleges. Let's go to Doug in Surrey. Hi, Doug. Hi, Jazz. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for calling in. What's on your mind? Well, when Polyev runs his mouth out here in this part of the country, he's just like uh, Harper before him. He's got the same speechwriter. He'll say what he's supposed to say, and he's just a pretender to the throne. He'll say anything he has to say to get the top job. Well, it's working for him. He's sitting at 40% approval. What do you think of the idea, though, of um, Mr. Polyev's idea, saying that that First Nations would be able to collect under his leadership to collect taxes from industry that he says will speed up negotiations and project approvals? everything else. I doubt if he's ever done an honest stage work in his life, just like Harvard before him. So as a result, he'll say anything because he knows nothing about the real world that we live in. All right. Well, I will take uh, that under advisement, Doug. Thank Another you. Another undecided voter. undecided voter. Well, you know, he, people complain about him. I mean, there's those that like him, bills that may not like him, but he's sitting at, what, 40% approval right now, Keith? And he's doing something right. Yeah, and the caller's right to some respect. He is saying what he needs to say, but at some point, what people want to see some policies, and to his credit, he did announce a policy. This yeah. is a policy. It's not just a vague uh, promise. So obviously, some of the details have to be worked out, but the, the, the skeleton frame is there, um, and the pressure will be on him to announce more detailed policies as the next election draws near. I mean, he has written where he is with a lot of rhetoric, a lot of uh, cute sound bites and clever clips and, you know, just inflation, that type of thing. But after a while, I think people tire of that. They want something a little more substantive, and the pressure's on to start delivering some policy, detailed policies. Yeah, he's, he made an announcement today on um, uh, those who are accused of uh, or are convicted of extortion. Will there be minimum ma- mandatory sentences there? He's talked about auto thefts just recently. We know where he sits on carbon tax. Is it the full gamut? No, it's not. Uh, there's a lot of time before the next federal election occurs. Um, but, you know, he's starting to roll out some of this stuff. And I think it, going on, going to what you were saying, Keith, uh, you're right. He's relied on short, snappy sound bites. But somewhere along the way, someone's going to say, where's the beef? And I think he has to show some of that or he's going to peak too early. So I think that's a recognition of, of some of those complaints. Yeah. And again, the peaking too early is the concern he has to have. And I think that's the Liberals' best hope right now is just wait it out. Don't uh, – Jagmeet Singh is amused about you know pulling the plug on the Liberal government. That would be political suicide because right now uh, Poliev's at the peak, and they need him to, to descend to the bottom. Whether that can happen remains unclear, but uh, time is the best thing the Liberals have going for them right now. They can wait a while. Poliev would dearly like an election sooner than later, but uh, if the Liberals are smart, and if the NDP's smart, they're not going to let that happen. Yeah, let's go to Carrie in Surrey. Hi, Carrie. Uh, yes, um, so I'm going to answer your question, Jaz, while he's doing so well. It's because I don't really hear the the media pull it, pushing back on him, asking him to actually prove anything. Your, your point about him saying about the federal tax, 
Um, I've read the CPC policy manual. In it, he says he's going to appoint someone to oversee how the First Nations spend their own money. I wonder how they'd feel about that, knowing that, especially when he's the guy that said residential school survivors shouldn't get compensation because they should learn the value of hard work. Mm -hmm. But but he has said that he is going to allow First Nations to collect taxes from industry if uh, if that will speed up negotiations and project approvals. Do you think that's not a good idea? Because one of the things our country suffers from is the perception by many around the world uh, that it takes too long for projects to be approved. But the issue is, is if he's going to turn around, like, first of all, my concern is about the First Nations people. We should be treating them with the utmost respect and working towards completing UNDRIP to the best of our ability. So if he's going to turn around and say that, and then he's going to demean them by saying he's going to oversee how they spend their money, that is that totally contradicts our relationship with our First Nations people. Mm-hmm. Well, Kerry, thank you for your call. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad people are asking tough questions of him, as they should. Uh, he's doing well. Uh, he could potentially be the next president. Prime Minister, and it's important that we ask those questions. Keith, I want to go back to uh, the Mr. Polygiv's announcement on on collecting taxes from First Nations. The way he is handling it in this early stage and making this announcement, generally people said, "Oh, I'll think about that. It's not a bad idea. Let's 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 mull that over." But yet, you, as you talked about with the NDP uh, and their land issues, it seems like they're getting more pushback on the provincial side than Mr. Polygiv is at this point. Yes, because there's less detail on the on the provincial side. Because, and again, it's twin to the upcoming changes to the Land Act. Mm-hmm. And there is a constituency out there, and whether it's a, it's the political opposition, both the United and opposite and Conservative Party, are suggesting this is going to result in a veto for First Nations over projects. Uh, the government has said no, it's not. But we haven't seen a lot of the details, and that by but not being really upfront and open and detailed about what is being proposed allows the opposition to come in and sort of frame the issue along their lines. And that's the challenge Nathan Cullen of the NDP and the government in general has as it embarks on this consultation phase is not let the opposition frame it as a, simply an exercise in giving First Nations a veto. And that's a challenge. That isn't happening with polio because it's simply about giving First Nations a revenue stream. Uh, i got 20 seconds left. Uh, Super Bowl this weekend, uh, 49ers versus Kansas City Chiefs. You're, you're going 49ers. I'm going Chiefs. Oh, I'll, come I'll take on! Chiefs team. on a last-second field goal. Mahomes I will do his magic again. Team Swifty. I never thought you'd say that. There you uh, go. I'm on Team Swift. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Keith. Have yourself a wonderful weekend. You too.